Welcome. I hope you enjoy the conversation you're about to see between me and another comedian about religion and comedy. These are conversations I'm calling Disorganized Religion. God bless. And for those atheists out there, may nothing await you after this life. Hey, nerds. Welcome to another edition of Disorganized Religion. I'm your host, Seth Lawrence, as always. And this week, we are joined by the fantastic Veronica Kwiatowski. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, I should say Veronica is a fantastic comedian. I asked her how she wants me to introduce her. That's her one request. And then I forget. (laughs) I just go straight to her name. So, Well, you you added fantastic. So thank you. I appreciate (laughs) it. Is that okay? All right. (laughs) Boy. Uh, So how long have you been doing stand-up? Like three years. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we've been doing it about the same amount of time. I thought, yeah. You, I thought you've been doing it quite a bit longer than I had. No, thank you for that. I'll take that as a good thing. No, I, yeah. um, three years, I'm, you know, I'm wondering and I'm curious what your thoughts are is like, will I count this seven month break as part of it when people ask me in the future or will I just keep saying like three years? <laughs> right. Well, have you been doing like Zoom shows and stuff or no? I didn't. Not really. I did a couple at the beginning uh, and then they just, you know, I'm going to be honest, they just kind of started bumming me out, but I do have a few coming <laughs> up. I think I've, I've been trying to change my mindset on it and just use it as an opportunity to like, yeah. you know, just f- around. So yeah. I don't know. Have you done any? I have done a few. Yep. Uh, and I think I had similar outlooks. It, it's a, it's a different skill set, I guess, really is what mm-hmm. I've found out on the zoom shows. And the one big thing it's taught me is to be comfortable in the few moments of silence because of lag in internet time. Yeah. To be comfortable yeah. with that silence before you hear the laugh, if you even hear the laugh at all. Because some mm-hmm. Zoom shows, the really, I think, most depressing ones for me are the ones where the audience is all muted themselves or, you know, so those ones are tough. But, uh, well, fun. I, I hope these future Zoom shows for you are a more positive experience than the prior ones have been. I hope so. And I booked my first like socially distanced show. It's not for another month. So I have time, but I'm nervous. It's been <laughs> yeah. so long. Like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, good. Yeah, I'm yeah. glad that a lot of these outdoor shows are starting to pop up again in and mm-hmm. out of LA. I guess whether or not they are legally permitted or not, I nobody cares. Nobody cares. Uh, yeah, exactly. Nothing matters anymore. <laughs> and we just need to get out. We need to get out. We need to interact with people in a safe way. Uh, well, very fun. Very fun. That'll be exciting. So is it in-state, your outdoor show? Yeah, it's actually, um, it's just like at a park in, in LA. So yeah, we'll see. Perfect. I don't know how many people are like allowed to go, um, but it'll be nice to just like, I think, be back with an audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. And we'll see what Gavin Newsom has in the in the docket for, you know, restrictions on social gatherings uh yeah. as the election approaches and maybe after the election i'll be curious well that's one that thing happens. yeah i'm like is this show even going to happen because it's it's november 11th i'm like mm. yeah i know yeah, i yeah. hope i'm not jinxing myself because i want to do it but we'll see. <laughs> no i'm sure I'm, it will. I'm sure it will happen i hope it does uh yeah. but yeah i mean people have been renting out the rose bowl like tom segura and burt kreischer have rented out the rose bowl for later yeah, in november I, I think like People are doing things regardless of what's on the legal, I guess, health code books, anyhow. Mm-hmm. Three years. So what motivated you to start stand-up? Um, I was, like, 
always drawn to it. And I, I feel like a lot of people have a similar story, but it's like, I didn't know why I liked it so much. And I would uh -huh. always say like, I would totally tell this joke or like, I would do that differently. Like, cause you want to do it. Like it just took <laughs> me a minute to realize that. Yeah. So yeah. So it was that I just, I mean, I've always, like, I have very kind of like savagely funny parents. So I grew up in a house where it's like, you know, everyone's doing bits and making jokes. I am like the least funny person in my family. So that was oh, like, really? training. <laughs> oh yeah. It's, it's intense. Um, yeah. How, yeah, how big is I, your family? Uh, small, like it's just my parents, my mom and dad and my younger brother, but they're all pretty witty and, and on it. So got it. Got you to be on your toes when you're around them, but yeah. Sure. That's exciting. That, Sorry. I interrupted you before. What were you going to say? Oh no. And yeah. And so then I just, um, just kind of finally like bit the bullet. I think I was like really unhappy at my day job and I was sort of reaching that point where I was out of school for a few years and kind of needing, you know, realizing I needed to figure out what I actually wanted to be doing. Yeah. And then I was like, you know what? I just need to try it. Like if it goes poorly, at least I know. And at least I have my answer. And then it didn't go poorly. And I was like, yep. Okay, cool. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Oh, that's great. So what kind yeah. of day job did you have? What kind of stuff were you doing before? I, well, I still, eh. I kind of half have it. I've evolved it away from what I was first doing, but yeah, huh. I, I started out literally like putting ads on Hulu. It was, Got you it. know, yeah, yeah. The thing everyone loves. Right, right. <laughs> me. But I mean, once you start really making it big, uh, once, once comedy comes back and we all break free of the chains of quarantine and start mm -hmm. getting our own specials out there, Veronica, that ad placement is going to come in so handy for you. I know. Right? It really, it really shaped me. You know, I will say, that job was rough, but it was actually a great first job out of college. And I got so much material about just like having a desk job. And I felt like that really connected with audiences. And it was sure. just like, you know, a just goldmine of, I was like, this can't be, this is not normal. Like, yeah. what is a job? Like this, it just sucks. But yeah, now I'm a copywriter and much happier. So I still kind of work in advertising, but in a, a little bit more of a creative way. Yeah. Oh, that's exciting. Well, yeah. I mean, there's yeah. so much material in a bad office job. That's what the whole show, the office was about. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. It, I just don't think I was like, I don't know. It just really, I was not ready for it. <laughs> yeah. Well, nothing can really prepare you for anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's always a little yeah. bit different than it's than expected. Uh, mm -hmm. What did you study in college? Did you study marketing? Uh, kind of. I studied um, economics and communication studies. So it was very much like a, I don't know what I want to do. That feels sort of businessy and broad and, you know, yeah. I'll yeah. figure it out kind of thing. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. So some people look at economics as a uh, explanation of human behavior. Do you feel like that? Or is it more just a business science for you? No, I definitely liked the human element of it. Like, and one thing I liked about the comm major, it, like there were a lot of like psych classes. So it was always interesting kind of like mm. having both, but it, yeah, it, it's just, I, I mean, I feel like econ is more about just like, this is always how, what's going to happen, but it, it was kind of cool to like, it, it is like a person driven science. And I don't know, it was, it was interesting. It was like a lot of math, which like, I cannot do math. I don't know why I like signed up for that. So sure. I'm glad I don't have to like really do that anymore, but it was still yeah. cool to just kind of like get that perspective of the world. And um, it was, yeah, I'm glad I did it. I think it taught yeah. me how to think. Now, which, which math aspect of economics killed you more, the macro or the micro? Both. And I don't know if it was just a UCLA thing, but I had to take so many calculus, like prereq classes. And I sure. just like, didn't make sense in my brain. I was like in tutoring. I feel like every day just being like, I don't get it. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It just didn't compute 
<laughs> well, it's good now. You're 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 more into a language heavy side of the thank career. god that's good yeah, yeah yeah well congratulations that's exciting uh yeah. so what was your where did you first do like your first open mic where was it and why did you feel like it went well or you know what what led you so, to believe it went well i'm one of the i took a class which is like okay everyone on but you know what <laughs> hulu paid for it my company paid for it so oh, that's i was excellent. like whatever so i yeah. ended up taking a class and it, you know, it was good. Um, so they had like a grad show at the improv. Um, uh -huh. So that was really fun. And it was nice because they, I got a tape out of it, which was yeah. oddly somewhat usable, but it was such a supportive audience because it's like all your friends just are like, that's so cool. I want to come. Sure. So maybe I had an inflated sense of it going well. And then after that, I went to my first open mic at, um, what's that place? Is it still there? It's like the improv space in, West, in Westwood. Even oh, I don't called? know. I don't know if it is still there. I've never been out there. It was cool. It's like a little black box improv theater. Um, so I remember going to that and I was so nervous because for yeah. this, I was like, oh, now I'm actually like doing it. Like the show was yeah. fun, but it was, you know, your friends are there. Sure, whatever. sure. A little college um, through the experience. Very, but I'm yeah. glad I had that because I think it gave me a sense of security that I don't know if I would have had had I not had that show. Sure. But yeah, it was rough. I got there like three hours early because I was so nervous so I could sign up on time. But of course, you know, I didn't understand how open mics work. I was still somehow like 40th on the list. Um, <laughs> right. It was like, okay. But yeah, so I, I remember going up later and I remember seeing people and being like, oh my God, like they're all so funny. But then I would see someone bomb and I was like, okay, it's not just going to be me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there were some people left towards the end. And honestly, it was like a couple jokes landed, a couple didn't. And I left and I was like, oh, that didn't matter. It was fun. And I just, I'm going to keep doing this now. And you know, yeah. here we are now. Well, that's great. Yeah. I mean, that's what yeah. open mics are for, right? It's just exactly what, works, what doesn't work and hopefully have some of your worst experiences at an open mic as opposed to at a show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and what was your first, <laughs> what was your first book show? Like, uh, it was probably, I think it was a bringer for sure. Like I was uh, only doing like, I did bringers and then a lot of bar shows that were like really, you know, yeah. Bar shows. Um, yeah. Was the bringer at the comedy store? Of course, as of they course. all are. All the good yeah. ones. Yeah, yeah. Um, but again, you know what? Stage time, I... Yeah. It is what it is. Like. Yeah, yeah. I think there's some useful skills from a bringer show. It, it, I mean, I did a few bringer shows and it definitely helped me get myself out there, right? Like marketing right. wise and inviting friends and family and everybody that I knew in LA uh, yeah. for better or for worse. So I think there are positives to every experience. I think so too. And I think as long as you know, and, and I did know that it's like, just do like one of these. Don't do like, don't make this your thing. I was like, whatever. But then I think I remember my first bar show actually was in um, Riverside, mm. like some random bar in Riverside. So that was like sure. an experience also of like, you're driving two hours out to a bar, but it was actually yeah. so fun because. Was it with the heckler. down and out crowd? No. Oh, okay. All right. I, think I know that. Right. Yeah. 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 Where was your first show? Um, Flappers, I think, was the first show I got booked on. Oh, it's a Flappers yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Honestly, yeah. great place to start. I love Flappers. Yeah, you know, it's everyone's got to start somewhere. And they were mm -hmm. definitely the most uh, conducive to newer comedians. So, yeah. 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 Sweet. So, how would you describe your comedy for someone who has never seen you before? What is your, in your mind, your comedic persona, your, uh, you know, your act? 
How would you describe I it? I mean, flawless, sensational. <laughs> right, of course. The best thing. No. Um, of course. I feel like I'm, I'm very, like, dry and witty. Like, I try, like, I don't really, like, move a lot. Like, I just feel like I kind of stand there and tell jokes. Um, mm-hmm. Sarcastic. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, one, th- one thing that I, yes, I would agree okay, wholeheartedly. Okay. One thing that impressed me about your comedic persona is that, you know, you're, you are an attractive woman and it's difficult, I think, for women in particular to do self-deprecating humor when they look nice, mm-hmm. but you seem to pull it off. Uh, oh, and you. it's, I, 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 to me, that's what I found most, uh, I think, talented, driven about you. It proved that you, you were very self-critical, very honest, and uh, a good writer. You found those things that were fun about yourself to poke fun at that I think makes the rest of the crowd be like, okay, we can, we can be on board with this person. Yeah. I try to, def- like, I feel like I've tried the self-deprecating. I remember for a long time I had a, no- a, a joke about my nose and, you know, it was kind of working, but it kind of wasn't. And then a one time a woman after she was like, your nose isn't that bad. And I was like, yeah, but people still are <laughs> on me for it constantly. I've been like bullied for it. But I was oh like, I get gosh. what you're saying, you know, from many feet away, you can't tell. So I feel like now I focus more <laughs> on like personality flaws that I can uh-huh. put on myself for and that's way sure. easier because it's like I've got a you know just laundry list of them so <laughs> right <laughs> right right of course of course yeah uh well and the zoom shows can only help with that actually they're right up and personal with your face so maybe they really are zoom, yeah you know maybe bring the nose joke back just for zoom. I'll do it from the side and then everyone will be like oh now we get it okay now we understand. yeah now <laughs> yeah. we see it oh that's hilarious yeah. okay oh. Oh my gosh, that's so fun. So uh, with a last name like Kwiatowski, where, where is your family from? Yeah, this will maybe easily jump into our religion thing. But so my uh, dad's side of the family is from Argentina. Okay. My mom's side is from, uh, from England. But the reason we have this Polish last name is because my grandpa was born in Poland uh, right around when World War II was starting. They're Jewish. Wow. So yeah. when he was a baby, they uh, went down to Argentina, as many people did. But it's this funny thing where, like, there's these huge, you know, Jewish communities in Argentina with these, like, insane last names. Um, and then <laughs> yeah. sometimes you end up in L.A. So. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. So so yeah. do you are you from a bilingual household or, uh, you know, is it just English? Um, Mostly English. I mean, my dad definitely, like, would speak to us in Spanish, but it's not something that my mom doesn't speak it. So it's not like they were also communicating in Spanish. So Uh it was primarily in English, but it was funny because my dad would always drive us to school in the mornings. And so we would only speak in Spanish in the car. And like my brother and I are just like terrible at it. Like I can (laughs) get by and I can understand it, but it's like, I just, I mean, I suck. I can barely speak English. Like don't throw a second to me. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard. But we like have this running joke where like, you know, as we would be driving, my dad would like point things out, like on the drive. And then we would have to say the word in Spanish and the word for, bridge we'd always have to drive under this bridge to get to our school and the word for uh bridge is puente so like uh-huh. we would always get so excited because we'd be like ah puente we know the word and like that's the only <laughs> word that has stuck so i can really talk about bridges and oh that's and great that's about, yeah that's about well, it repetition is key with learning a new language so that's probably exactly. why the only word that stuck was puente that's great exactly uh beautiful so okay so family is is i guess you know, uh, as far as genealogy goes, Polish, Jewish, mm-hmm. and then you have this Argent or Argentinian influence and American. Mm-hmm. So religiously, feels like 
you know, you're skirting the line between Jewish and Catholic uh, yeah. or Christian, I guess, more broadly. Where do you fall? Where, yeah. do you, or where did you fall growing up? Well, I think another thing that's interesting is like my mom and her side of the family, like she was raised Catholic and then she very much like kind of rejected that. And then I think my dad identifies with the very like cultural side of Judaism, but mm. both of them I think would probably not identify with being religious people and they didn't really raise us with religion at all, which was interesting because my cousins and the rest of the, that, that, that side of the family is much more like practicing Jews. Mm. Um, and my parents were kind of both like, you know, we were raised super religious. So we kind of want the choice to be up to you and your brother. And we're not going to like make you do it either way. Gotcha. Um, so just, yeah, not a very like religious upbringing. I did go on birthright. I think in college, I was just a little bit like intrigued by the Jewish side. Cause I did feel a little sure. bit more of like a pull there. And, um, on yeah. a free trip, free trip to the homeland of Jerusalem. And Come afraid, on. Exactly. I'm not going to say no. So yeah, I yeah. wouldn't say like that was, yeah, it wasn't necessarily like a super religious upbringing. It was more of like open to whatever. Uh-huh. Got it. Got it. So you didn't really grow up going to, to, you know, mass or to synagogue. No. Yeah, no, I've never really like been to services ever. It's kind of crazy. Wow. That is crazy. Uh, interesting. Yeah. So where do you fall now on the side of spirituality religion is there a god is there nothing what do you think i think about this a lot because like i feel like it's a very like annoying la thing to be like i'm more spiritual than anything but i I do (laughs) it is an annoying la thing no Uh it is but like i i think there's something out there for sure Mm. especially i feel like this year i've really been like thinking about like what the so i do think that like the quarantine has pushed you more toward a religious or spiritual aspect then away from it i've talked to a lot in of people a weird way. like there can't be god come on with all this going That's on the there's thing. no way and i totally get that but then i'm also like this is all psychotic so i'm like this can't just be random you know sure something and, and i very into the idea of like old like infinite universes like i definitely think that there's just like there's something bigger than us and i don't know what it yeah. is and i don't know if i've just maybe not found a more organized religion that would get me there but I you mm-hmm. know I think it's interesting and I, I don't think that there's nothing like because for a while I thought maybe I'm atheist but I'm like I don't know if that sits right with me because to me like this is just like what I don't know does that make sense yeah 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 absolutely I mean I I can definitely help you out with the more organized religion part just send me your address mm-hmm. I'll send you a book two friends they'll come perfect do everything you need to know um, awesome. But yeah, I think I think that does make sense as far as wanting to. Well, I guess human, you know, we are a uh, communal animal, right? We mm-hmm. want a community. We want to belong to something, and uh, I feel like atheists achieve that by hanging out with other atheists. You know, they totally create yeah. their own tribe. So there might be some of that element for you too, where it's like, well, I don't know spiritually or religiously however you want to term it where do i belong where do i want to belong mm-hmm. uh but yeah i, I think just that, think like that the, makes sense. yeah and it's like i have so many weird like things that have happened where it's like like i have this story and i won't bore you with all of the details but my cousin you know he lives in argentina mm-hmm. we see each other when we see each other it's not every day and when i graduated college i went to europe with some friends just on a like yay we finally graduated trip yeah. so we had like the craziest night. We were on a night train uh, going from Croatia or sorry, going from Budapest to Croatia that broke down like in the middle of the night. So we almost got like left on the border and then 
we mm. got picked up by another train so just had like this crazy crazy night we finally yeah. make it to croatia and we're just like my friends and i were just like totally wiped out we're like we are just dying like we got to go to the beach and just lay there and you know whatever sure so we go to this beach it's like just a beach whatever and we kind of finally wake up a couple hours later we're like oh let's go in the water let's cool down so i'm out in the water with my friend and i'm we're like pretty far out because it's shallow for like a long way so we're yeah. really far out from the beach and i see this guy in the water and i was like i said to my friend i was like oh it's so weird that like kind of looks like my cousin but like that's you know whatever we go back to talking and just relaxing and then I noticed that he's like coming closer to me and he's giving me a weird look. And I was like, why is this dude like looking at me? Like what the, yeah. hell, what the hell's going on? Yeah. And he gets closer to me and it's my cousin that lives in Buenos Aires that I ran into in the middle of the ocean. So it's like oh things like gosh. that. I'm like this, I don't know. Yeah. So why, why would that be? Cause I think a lot of people would be like, well, that's a crazy coincidence, but it feels like you are assigning some sort of spiritual meaning to that, which I'm not going to judge at all. I think that's great. Uh, yeah. But why? Why would that be uh, kind of a more spiritual leaning experience for you? Because to me, it's like, that's just so, like, that can't be random. But then it also, mm. like, makes me think, like, I don't think there's just, like, one God in the sky that's like, I'm going to make her run into her cousin in the ocean today. Because if <laughs> I would think there was just, one central God, he would have bigger problems. But I just feel like the universe is so mysterious. And it's like, sure. why at that one point in time did we run into each other? You know, that's sure. just crazy. Well, yeah. And I think, you know, from my religious background, it's, we, we kind of explain that dichotomy. And I do believe this, that, mm -hmm. that God does have, I think, huge problems to solve, but mm -hmm. some of the biggest problems are our individual issues, you know, mm -hmm. and that that is a, an evidence of his almighty power is his ability to focus on the individual and, mm -hmm. you know, reach out and let us know that he's there mindful and that he loves us and is concerned about us, you know? Um, so I think that's an expression of his almighty power is when he focuses on, on an individual. Oh, that's interesting. I never thought about it like that. Well, that's another reason why you need to come over to this side, you know? Uh, no, <laughs> that's great. actually like your, that's your mission with the podcast is to just convert everybody. <laughs> just convert everybody. I mean, the truth <laughs> is, Veronica, my religion, and I believe this, uh, we're going to get everybody in the end one way or the other. Okay. So... If it's now, great. If it's later, that's great. Uh, uh -huh. No big deal. No big deal at all. <laughs> um, so, so given your upbringing, do you feel like if and when you get married and have kids, is that something you want to do? Have kids, have a family? Or are you like, ah, whatever. And if so, are you wanting to raise them at all religious? Or is that, you know, not going to factor into it for you? The issue of having kids is one that I, I don't know where I stand because I just like, I don't know. I mean, this world is really up right now, as we all know, and whatever. Sure. We talked about that for, for days, but it's like, do I want to bring kids into this? Like, if we really are sort of just like on the, on the downhill. <laughs> on the tail end of our existence. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know how I feel about that because if two more years Fair. go by and it looks like we're all going to burn up in flames in 10 years I don't want to you know I'll just <laughs> so, get a dog so so what you're saying is is if Joe Biden wins you'll consider having a child that's what you're I saying. would think about it <laughs> yes but um a celebratory Biden baby that's great exactly well I also it's like I don't have it's such a future me problem that I don't even right. know if I have an answer for it yet but I don't not want them and I think if I if they did end up going down that route uh obviously we'd have to be incredibly rich for it to work but um <laughs> I you think need I would, a nanny and full-time daycare well, yeah. or yeah okay 
yeah and they, I mean they need their own room like yeah we've got yeah we I'm not gonna have like poorly dressed children no it's not gonna work so yeah there's <laughs> not, a lot to think about not happening yeah no but yeah I think I would I would probably go more the route of what my parents did and just be like it's up to you and um yeah you know you choose but if we're you know I guess like for me it was like I look back on it I'm like well if I had just like wanted to like wake up one day and go to church like would they have taken me and I don't know like you right. know, I had my own car right so I or think which maybe... church would you have even chosen that you right. could go to yeah right so I wonder if I would maybe do something where it's like I'm not going to push it on you but hey do you want to go to this like Hebrew camp for a week in the summer like <laughs> right. you know what I mean like right yeah of course yeah yeah yeah, yeah. oh that's great that's great uh Excellent. Well, I think we, I, I don't want you to make you late for your next meeting. So what I'd like to do is, is close out the show with the segment. What's the deal with Mormons? Do you yes. have any, what's the, what deal, with the Mormons? deal with Mormons? Veronica Kwiatowski. Any questions you have okay. for me regarding my faith? I have many questions, but the first one I need yeah. to ask, like, what is your, and then if you could be a spokesperson for all other Mormons, what is your sure. view on the book of Mormon? Have you seen it? What do you guys like? What's the, What's the feeling on it? Love it. Oh, you're talking about the musical. I was like, I've seen the book many yeah. times. Uh, <laughs> no, I not the, book, the South Park one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have listened to the music uh, and I, th- I find it, you know, what Trey Parker and Matt Stone do with Mormonism, I think is very endearing. On one level, I suppose there's a little bit of insult in that the way they deal with mm-hmm. it is sort of like, oh, they're just so sweet and naive. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're not going to harm anybody because they're kind of just dumb and that's fine mm-hmm. and they'll grow out of it or, you know, that's kind of the, it's a little bit patronizing, but at the same time, um, you know, I do think they find a great respect for individuals of my ilk that have uh, a faith and that believe in something kind of outside of themselves. Mm-hmm. So I've wanted to see it. Uh, it was coming to the Pantages, uh, not the Pantages, it was going to a theater in Pasadena And then the pandemic hit. So I think they had to cancel the show. So I'm hoping it comes back once this all lifts. I'd like to go see it. I think generally, as far as, uh, you know, the rest of my people go, it's probably not something that the established church would endorse to go see or encourage to go see. Um, But I don't think anybody would, would, uh, I guess I'll put it this way. In the hometown where I grew up, which was Orem, Utah, people would mm-hmm. probably raise eyebrows about going to see it. Here in okay, LA, okay. I don't think anyone would think twice. I okay. think you would be like, okay, yeah, you know, it's, you want to see what the world is saying about us, that's fine. If you yeah. have to endure a few swear words that, you know, you're going to hear that yeah. anyway. So, okay. yeah, yeah. But, you know, yeah. I'm always flattered. Anytime the media, uh, I was talking with Zach Stein over text and he said Fargo, that series on Hulu, just uh-huh. barely, introduced a, a mormon character apparently into the series so okay representation you know represent baby yeah i'm yeah. always i'm always intrigued when we're in the yeah. media in any form so because i saw it and i mean it's hilarious but like the whole time like i went with some friends and we were like is this like incredibly <laughs> offensive like we just didn't know we were like this is so funny but if this was about me i don't know how i feel but I'm, I'm, right I'm, right yeah. i mean from the songs that i've heard there is an aspect of colonialism that i'm not super fond mm-hmm. of but it's hard to get past that you know yeah. i mean how else do you describe a bunch of predominantly white people as far as the church in the united states goes it's mostly caucasian how do you mm-hmm. get around that 
us going right. thinking it should be our duty to go to other countries and be like this is the real god you know yeah what is it like like mormonism in la versus utah is it different or is it all kind of I mean, the church is actually quite standardized in what is taught. Uh, so we all follow the same curriculum. You can basically go to any, any service on a Sunday anywhere in the world, and you're going to hear basically the same stuff, which is okay. great. Um, I think the difference that I've felt is an attitude amongst the membership. So obviously, mm -hmm. you know, there's kind of this espoused gospel and, and religion that is taught by the, by the church. And then there's the practice and kind of the culture that emerges within the normal people. And growing up in Utah, both actually when my wife and I were dating, we both had very strong feelings to get out that we wanted out of Utah. When we raised our family, we wanted to do so outside of Utah because it's, it's, a, it's a judgy culture. I think a lot of religious cultures mm. are and Mormonism is no different. Um, mm despite what we preach, you know, love and accept everyone. Uh, not really, you know, yeah. uh, we're all trying to improve. In LA, yeah. it's a little bit more like, you know, you kind of, we understand that we all believe in Jesus Christ, that he's our savior. And there's some certain other tenets that we all believe in, but okay, you might feel differently about the word of wisdom a little bit. And that's, mm. you know, that's up to you, I suppose, uh, within okay. reason. So it's a little bit more, I think, open as far as the culture and membership goes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. So when you were dating um, and before you met your wife, like, would you only date Mormon women or were you like open to other religions or was that like a big uh, criteria for you? Yeah. I mean, in Utah, it was uh, in the, in the city where I grew up and the women that I was meeting, it was like 98% were members of the faith. So it's not even like yeah. a conscious choice that I really had, Okay, but you know, certainly getting married uh, or thinking about marriage. Yeah. It was, it was a big deal to me to marry yeah. someone within the faith. Yeah. yeah. But you know, if it meant that I had to convert someone, I wasn't really opposed to that either. Totally. <laughs> but, I feel like that's the same with Judaism. It's always like, it's very like keep it in, keep it in sure family. yeah 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 there's a very similar i mean my one of my thoughts regarding the similarities and i've said this before on the podcast so all the listeners are probably sick of this joke but i feel like mormons <laughs> are jews 2.0 we are the that's second right. chosen group so <laughs> you guys are the oldest yeah, group and that's fine that's great we're the second we're the second coming you're the, you're the new you one know? yeah so yeah funny. yeah Exactly. What was it about Mormon? Like, what's your favorite thing about Mormonism or like being a Mormon? I mean, gosh, I, I think one of the funnest uh, aspects to think about is the afterlife. I mean, our belief in the afterlife is mm -hmm. fun. I know a lot of people poke fun at our planets that we'll get in the afterlife. But, you know, if you're going to if you're going to make something up, you might as well go big. Right. Wait, I don't uh, think I know enough about that. Can you enlighten me? Oh, sure. So, so Mormonism, we believe in a big heaven and in a very mm -hmm. small kind of limited hell, as far as the traditional ideas go about heaven and hell. Mm -hmm. And our heaven is divided into kind of three states of glory is what we call them. And the top, the tippity top one where we believe Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother live is the celestial kingdom in, you know, exaltation. So to be exalted as a Mormon means that you are going to be there with your spouse making spirit babies and planets for those spirit babies Ooh. to go down to inhabit as physical people. Oh, yeah, that's cool. 
Yeah. So I think that's a fun aspect. I mean, there's a lot. I, I really, well, so what are the other two? The other two? Oh, the other two levels of heaven. Uh, so you have celestial, which is the top, terrestrial, which is the middle, uh-huh. and telestial, which is the lowest. And okay. as far as the lowest, I mean, the, the only people that we really believe go to hell or what we call outer darkness are the people that have a perfect understanding of, of Jesus Christ. They know, mm-hmm. they know for sure the gospel is real that, you know, everything that we believe is true. They know it and decide to abandon that belief and not only abandon it, but also bring others down with them, try to convince others that there is no God or there is no savior. They're the ones that are going to outer darkness. Okay. Uh, Everybody else. So that means murderers, rapists, uh, pedophiles. They're all going to the telestial kingdom, assuming they don't repent as they should. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you like ideally are going to the celestial, right? Yeah. Unless yeah. you're a piece of <laughs> and then, okay. okay. <laughs> right. Or just not as good as you should be. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then you're not, but it's still good. You know, it's still a degree of glory, still, still a, a, a part of heaven. So, mm-hmm. but the, I guess for, for my faith, the biggest kind of draw other than you know making planets and all that uh yeah that's cool yeah is the association so we think that the celestial kingdom you're there with your spouse you know and essentially Mm -hmm. the family that you create and the family that you had here on earth there will still be those connections that that uh Mm -hmm. exist um but for the other levels of heaven you're kind of flying solo so okay you know, it's, it's, it's bachelor, bachelorette life. If that doesn't bother you so bad, then maybe you'll be okay. You know? Okay. Um, so yeah, that's what we think. That is comforting that, yeah, you'd not be alone in the afterlife. Right. Right. Yeah. I think some people might not care. Uh, some of us, mm-hmm. do, you know? Yeah. So I find that pretty yeah. comforting. I find that comforting. Yeah. You know how like, um, like the Amish, they have like Rumspringer when mm. you're like 18 is there like a mormon equivalent to that where you have like a hey here's a year to take a break and try and then come back or not like do you guys do that? <laughs> not really what we do is we do kind of the opposite and it's the missions. so that book of mormon musical is all oh, about people yeah. going on their missions right um yeah so that's what we do for men it's two years for women it's a year and a half and uh it's kind of immersing yourself in the gospel as opposed to withdrawing and exploring other things, but it's certainly Where did you go on your mission. I went okay. to Eastern Canada. Cool. So, you know, you, you get to experience other cultures and I suppose yeah. kind of indirectly experience other ways of life by talking to a lot of other people. But, yeah. you know, it's not like you're encouraged to go to a strip club. See if you like that. See if you don't like that, <laughs> you know, go uh, anyway. So uh, I liked it. I liked my mission quite a yeah. bit, actually. Yeah. Where do you like live when you're there? Do you just like, is there like a central place or do you just kind of like find an apartment? Like, how does that work? Yeah. So um, my mission was fairly well established. There are some missions that are like new that kind of open up. And so like when our, when our church is hopefully finally allowed into mainland China on mass, there will be a lot of new missions that will open up and there will be some missionaries that will go and have to like find a place to live. Um, oh, wow. Ours was pretty well established. So we already had apartments kind of throughout the province of Quebec. 
So okay. we would, and, and you're not paired, like I didn't have one companion the entire two years. I had oh. a, a lot of different companions depending on where I was moved. Um, so they do that for, you know, consistency of kind of knowledge of the area. So as a new person, uh-huh. you go in and you're paired with someone who's been there for a while is mm-hmm. typically the way that that works. Um, so yeah, I always had, you know, an apartment, there was always an apartment that I stayed in with mm-hmm. my companion. Um, some of them were apartments that we actually shared. So like there were four, two companionships to one apartment. That was one, That's cool. one area I was in on my mission. Yeah. So it was pretty well organized, but you know, I was in a lot of small fishing towns and it was just me and my companion. We were the only two missionaries in, you know, a town of 30 to 40,000 people. And that was wow. it. So yeah. That's wild. Do you, and who like pays for like, how does like, how do you like how does it work? Funding, I so funding. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. we would, it's, it's left up to the families. If the families okay. can't, then, you know, they're encouraged to go to their bishops or the leader of their congregation for financial assistance. And okay. that, that, you know, if, if the ward or if the congregation doesn't have enough funds pooled together, then it goes up another level to what we call the stake, mm-hmm. which is a group of wards or a group of congregations that make up the stake. So sometimes, you know, like with any, organization there are richer pockets more wealthy pockets mm-hmm. than others um yeah but yeah i worked i mean i worked my first job was at chuck e cheese i worked at chuck e cheese <gasps> for like three years in high school and first year wow. of college yeah how was that it's great oh my gosh uh loved it it was it was honestly not too bad a lot of my high school mm-hmm. friends worked there so it was just kind of okay. hanging out making some money yeah Dancing in the mouse costume was by far the worst part of that job. And that wait, do you have stand up about this? Because that's just like so funny that it's like to meet someone that actually worked at Chuck E. Cheese. That's crazy. <laughs> I need I need to write it down. It's still a little, a little too painful, a little too raw. Okay, uh, okay, sorry, I didn't mean to trigger. Yeah, no, I need to get it back. I need to write it down. Think really about it because they would dry clean that mouse suit once a month. Ew. So there would just be caked in sweat in that headset and in that, I mean, it was, oh, that's not yeah, great. Yeah. Not great. Ooh. Not great at all. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And then you just get kids that would just abuse you and parents that just thought it was hilarious. So oh, I'm sure. And you're like, I'm in here. Yeah. It's like, there is a person inside of this, you heartless beasts. Um, yeah. So I, I worked, I saved up money. And so I paid, I think I'd saved up enough to pay for uh, most, if not all of my mission, my parents were oh, able cool. to kind of pay for the rest, but you plan on the way it works now is you plan on $400 a month for the two years. Okay. So I think it's around like, you know, 10,000 in total for the two years, yeah. but it's, it's financed by the family or by the individual who's going. Okay, cool. And then do you work when you're there or no? Nope. Nope. It's all service. Uh, you know, I, I, I did service at like soup kitchens and some, some of the places where I was, but no, you're not, you don't have a job. There's no nine to five other than preaching the good word. So we would, our days would be going out, knocking on doors, stopping people in the Metro or on a bus and just trying to talk about Jesus. Everyone's favorite topic. Did you ever get anyone like react super weird? Uh, I mean, most people were just like, Hey, thanks, but no, thanks. Um, I mean, and then you run into the crazies who just want to talk to you forever. 
And, mm. you know, as a new missionary, that was more tempting a conversation to get into because you, I don't know, coming from a sheltered, you know, Utah, it's like, mm-hmm. you're not running into homeless people all the time. You don't know that some right. people are just not well and <laughs> very mm-hmm. lonely. Um, yeah. So you think, oh, I'm making great progress with this person. They love everything I'm saying when really yeah. they're just lonely. They're really lonely people. Yeah. And that's fine. They need attention yeah. too. But as far mm-hmm. as like getting a, a person that's going to be seriously committed to converting, no. Right. That's probably yeah. not the most beneficial conversation to have. No, nobody ever really okay. reacted super weird in the initial talks. There was, there was always, you know, I think two kind of on the weird side experiences. There was a guy from Madagascar that we went and taught and he claimed to be a member of the faith, which, you know, okay. And as we were talking to him, he started talking about these dreams that he'd had about marrying one of the people in the small congregation in that small town. We were sort of like, ah, we can't really endorse you on claiming that these are visions. I don't know that you're gonna marry this person. But, yeah. you know, I don't know why you're telling us this. So, right. you know, sometimes, sometimes you get some weird, I guess, conversational topics with people. Yeah. Is it um, the biggest in the U.S. or like, do you get to a bigger presence in any other countries? I think it's actually now bigger in South America than it is in the United States. Um, oh. or, or, you know, bigger in South America than it is in North America. Yeah. yeah. My, um, I, yeah, go ahead. Let's say my my only understanding of that is just because I watched so much 90 Day Fiance and I feel like there's always someone that like was on a mission trip and then met their significant other in like Brazil. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> it's like right? Always. It's like every season. There's yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. yeah, Brazil, we got a big market in Brazil. Growing oh. up in in the faith, there is this stigma in people who go to South American missions. They were going to be baptizing a lot of people but not have very many, you know, converts, people that were really committed to staying in the faith. They would baptize mm-hmm. and then kind of be noncommittal. Um, I, because I went to Quebec, the, the inverse was true. We had basically, you know, I think I, I baptized three people on my mission. And oh, wow. yeah, and that was, you know, which would be really sorry numbers for a South American uh, serve okay. missionary. Uh, so okay. they were very uh, honest. I felt in Quebec, very honest. And mm-hmm. like, if they're if they say they are coming to church, they're going to come to church. They're not going to say mm-hmm. they will and then not come to church. My okay. sister served in Honduras. One of my sisters served mm-hmm. in Honduras, and that was her experience. A lot of people committing to do things, but not actually doing them. Interesting. And I had the other problem: a lot of no's. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But when they said yes, they would actually come, which Good. is great. So that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Are you still in touch with any of your Canadian like people? Uh no, I am not. I should be more. That's that's such a failing on my part. I tried. Actually, there was I one guy. Help. Yeah, thank you. Uh there was one guy that that we taught and baptized, and I reached out to him. We actually, my family, you know, my wife, kids, and I, we went up to Quebec because my wife wanted to see kind of the area and we were going to be in the general gist of the New York kind of Mm -hmm. anyhow. So we planned a trip, went up there. I was there. I'd been kind of communicating with him, telling him, Hey, you know, I'm going to be in town on these dates. Is there anything? 
never really got back to me. So maybe he just hated me. I don't know. But we got to the town and I was like, hey, man, I'm here. Is there anything we can do? And he's like, no, I'm actually just super busy. Um, and I'm trying to remember his excuse, but I think his excuse was cleaning his apartment, that he was cleaning his apartment. He just had no time. And so I was like, okay. I yeah, guess it's in a really dirty apartment. Yeah. Washing your hair. That's fine. That's fine. Mm-hmm. I can take a hint. So I haven't really okay. reached out to him yeah. because I'm a petty, I'm a petty person. So I yeah, know. as you, as we all should be. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But there are some, I mean, there were definitely some, some members of the congregation that I've stayed in touch mm-hmm. with and, you know, cool. some, some good uh, relationships there. Yeah. Did you go to BYU? I did. That's why. Are I there any other Mormon? Oh, okay, I was like, because I was trying to look. I was like, is that BYU? But yeah. like, are there any other Mormon schools? Or because that's the only one I know of. I mean, as far as officially kind of run by the church, there's the there's there's the BYU network. So there's BYU uh, Provo, which is kind of their mm-hmm. you know the flagship BYU school. There's there's okay. Brigham Young University in Idaho, so BYU I, uh, okay. which is in Rexburg, Idaho, and then there is BYU Hawaii. Ooh. in Laie, Hawaii. Yeah. I'm trying to go there. Yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful campus. Very yeah. fun area. Um, yeah. So, those, but those are the only three. And okay. and kind of the flagship is is BYU in Provo. Okay. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. Is that all you got for yeah. me? I'm trying to think. Those were my Ooh. big ones. We did it. There, we did it. Is there anything else I need to know? I mean, just that you need to read the Book of Mormon, and then you need to pray about it and come to church. That's it. That's all you need to know. Uh, No, I don't think so. I mean, uh, no, it's whatever you're curious about. You know, I didn't know if there would be aspects of the Book of Mormon musical that you wanted to get into, since you've seen it, and I actually haven't. um, But listen to the music. No, it. Yeah, I was really just curious, like, how it's viewed, because it was just, it's so out there. It's really, really funny. I, I mean... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what everyone says. Yeah, it's great. Um, I think I think the biggest testament to how awesome my faith is is that they instead of boycotting it or trying to shut it down, Mm -hmm. they took out the ad in the playbill that said the book is better. They did, yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and I feel like that's nice because, like, I don't think the point of the musical is to really. It's not malicious. It's just like they make fun of everything and. Yeah. And, you know, on my mission, I served in a lot of little college towns in Quebec and everybody's exposure to Mormonism was through South Park. If they knew who Mm. we were, it was because of South Park. Yeah. And so they knew about the Joseph Smith story and, you know, say what you want about Matt Stone, Trey Parker. They, they represent it actually pretty accurately as it might be. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say that's really my only knowledge as well as is from South Park. Work. sure but that's it's, it's not just with mormonism it's most things i learn about <laughs> yeah <laughs> right work. well and they do they do a great job of being pretty fair about making fun of just about every religion so it's exactly you know, and it's i don't think it's ever really in a malicious way it's just in a you mm-hmm. know everyone's kind of sweet you know they can yeah. be kind of sweet so yeah yeah that's uh no i think that's about it if that's all you're curious about then we did it we yeah. accomplished it hell yeah this was so Boom. cool well, thank you so much. Is there anything you want to plug before we let you get prepared for your next meeting? 
Um, no, I mean, just follow me on social media, Veronica K all day. And then, yeah, if you're in LA, I've got a show on the 11th, if it doesn't get canceled. Yeah, hopefully not. I doubt it will be. Yeah. I think they're just going to plug so. ahead. So I hope so. Good. November 11th, somewhere in LA, you can find yep. her live, socially distanced. In Beautiful. a mask. Yeah. yeah. Veronica, thank you so much. This was great. Thank you. This was, yeah. Thank you so much for being so open. This was really cool. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, you have a good rest of your day. Yeah, you as well. I'm sure I'll talk to you online. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. There you go. All right. All right. Bye. Okay. Bye.